Crenshaw, Part 3. The world is so you have something to stand on. A whole list to Dick, a first book of first definitions. Written by Ruth Krauss and illustrated by Maurice Sendek. So that's from a real book. That's a quote from a real book. The world is so you have something to stand on. Chapter 32. It occurred to me that Crenshaw's return, the night of the kitty bubble bath, as I came to think of it, might be a sign that I was right about my parents. It was coming again, the moving, the craziness, maybe even the homelessness. I told myself I'd just have to face facts and make the best of it. It wouldn't be the first time we'd hit a rough spot. Still and all, I'd be hoping to get Miss Leach for fifth grade. Everybody said she liked to explode stuff for science experiment, and Marisol and I had our dog-walking business going pretty well, and I'd been looking forward to trying out the new skate park when they got it built in January, and maybe even doing rec soccer if we could come up with the money for a uniform. It would be easier for Robin. She could move her, you could move her anywhere and she'd be fine. She made friends in an instant. She didn't have to worry about real stuff. She was still a kid. I land my mattress as a list of things I was going to miss kept getting longer and longer. I told my brain to take a time out. Sometimes that actually works. Not so much this round. Last year, my principal told me I was an old soul. I asked what that meant, and he said I seemed wise beyond my years. He said it was a compliment. That he liked the way I always knew when someone needed help with fractions, or the way I emptied the pencil sharpener without being asked. That's the way I am at home, too, most of the time, anyway. Sometimes I feel like the most grown-up one in the house, which is why it seemed like my parents should have known they could talk to me about grown-up stuff, and why it seemed like they should tell me the truth about moving. Last fall, a big raccoon got into our apartment through an open window. It was two in the morning. Aretha barked like a maniac, and we all ran to see what was wrong. The raccoon was in the kitchen, examining a piece of Aretha's dog chow. He held it in his little hands proudly, like he'd discovered a big brown diamond. He was not even a tiny bit afraid of us. He nibbled his diamond carefully. He seemed glad we'd joined him for dinner. Aretha leaped onto the couch. She was barking so loud I thought my ears would fall off. Robin ran to get her baby buggy in case the raccoon wanted to go for a ride. My mom called 911 to report a home invasion. My dad, who only had on his sock monkey pajama bottoms, turned on his electric guitar and made this ear-splitting screechy sound to scare off the raccoon. Don't you dare go near that animal, my mom warned Robin. She pointed to her cell phone and shushed us. Yes, officer, yes. 68, quiet moon, apartment 132. No, he's not attacking anyone. He's eating dog food. Dog chow, actually. Not the wet kind. Kids, stay away. He could be rabid. He's not a rabbit, mommy, Robin said as she wheeled her baby buggy in circles around the living room. I'm pretty sure he's a beaver. For a while, I just watched them all go crazy. It was kind of entertaining. Finally, I whistled. I have a really good whistle for a kid. I use my pinky fingers. Everyone stopped and stared, even the raccoon. Guys, just sit on the couch, I said. I've got this. I walked to the front door and opened it. That's all I did, just opened it. Fog drifted, frogs chatted, the waiting world was calm. Everyone sat on the couch. I kept Aretha quiet with her squirrel chew toy. It was covered with dog slobber. We watched the raccoon finish his food. When he was done, he waddled past us like he owned the place and headed for the open door. He glanced over his shoulder before he left. I could almost hear him muttering, 
Next time I go to a different place. This family is nuts. Lately, I felt like I always had to be on alert for the next raccoon invasion. Chapter 33. Saturday morning, I woke up, went into the living room, and found a big empty spot where our TV had been. The room looked naked without it. My dad was making breakfast, pancakes and bacon. We hadn't had pancakes and bacon in a really long time. Robin was sitting at the kitchen table. Aretha was drooling, and Robin's chin was gooey with syrup. Daddy made my pancakes shaped like R's for Robin. Do you have a letter preference? My dad asked me. He was using his cane, which meant he wasn't feeling great. You okay? I asked. Oh, the cane? He shrugged. Just a little insurance policy. I hugged him. Plain old circle pancakes would be great, I said. Where's mom? Picked up an extra breakfast shift at toast. Daddy sold the TV to Marisol, Robin said. She jutted out her lower lip to make sure we knew she wasn't happy. Marisol, I repeated. I saw her dad while I was taking out the trash, my dad said as he poured perfect circles of batter into a pan. We were talking about the game today and how his TV had conked out, and one thing led to another. He had the cash, I had the TV, and the rest is history. But how are you and I going to watch the game, I asked. We're going to Best Buy it. I grabbed a piece of bacon. What's that mean? My dad adjusted the heat on the stove. You'll see. Where there's a will, there's a way. Aretha liked watching Curious George, said Robin. She set down her plate and Aretha licked it clean. You may be interested in hearing that Curious George began his existence as a character in a book, said my dad as he flipped a pancake. In any case, this family needs to spend more quality time together. You know, play cards maybe or Monopoly. I like shoots and ladders, said Robin. Me too, my dad tossed a chunk of bacon to Aretha. Too much TV rots your brain. You love TV, I said while I started loading the dishwasher. That's because TV's already rotted it. There's still hope for you too. It didn't take long for my breakfast to be ready. Nice work on the pancakes, I said. Thanks, I do have a certain flair. My dad pointed his spatula at me. I saw Marisol when Carlos and I were carrying in the TV. She said to remind you about the Gaucher's Dachshunds. Yeah, we're walking them tomorrow. Are Dachshunds wiener dogs? Robin asked. Yes, ma'am, my dad nodded. You know, Jax, I haven't seen much of Dewan or Ryan or anybody else lately. What's up with that? I don't know. Dewan and Ryan are doing a soccer camp. Everybody does different stuff in the summer. My dad put his dishes in the sink. His back was turned to me. I re I'm really sorry about soccer camp, Jax. I just couldn't swing it. No biggie, I said quickly. I'm kind of growing out of soccer. Yeah, my dad said softly. That happens. I stared at the sweet steam spinning from my pancakes. I tried hard not to think about Marisol, watching our TV, feeling sorry for us while we played shoots and landers and ate brand cereal out of a t-ball cap. Then I tried not to be annoyed at myself for worrying of us about something so unimportant. I grabbed my fork and knife and sliced up my pancakes. Whoa, said my dad. Ease up, Zorro. I looked confused. Who's Zorro? Mask guy, good with swords. My dad pointed to my plate. You were getting a little carried away with the slice and dice action. I looked down at my pancakes. It was true. I destroyed them pretty well, but that wasn't what got my attention. In the middle of the plate, surrounded by maple syrup mush, were slices of pancake, neatly forming eight letters. C-R-E-N-S-H-A-W. Crenshaw. Maybe it was my imagination, maybe not. In any case, I scarfed them down before anyone could notice.
Chapter 34 After my mom came home, my dad and I headed for Best Buy. We stopped at the bank, and while my dad stood in line, I grabbed two free suckers, one for me and one for Robin. I always pick purple. If there are no purples, reds are pretty good. I am not a big fan of yellows. We were lucky to live in Northern California, I figured. It's really beautiful, except for when there are wildfires or mudslides or earthquakes. Even better, it's a great place to find free food, if you know where to look. The farmer's market at the Civic Center parking lot is a great spot because they give you samples. Things like honey and a straw or peanut brittle. Grocery stores are good, too. The ones where they have free cantaloupe pieces on a toothpick. Our local hardware store gives away little bogs, little... <laughs> little bags of popcorn on Saturdays. So that's an option if you get there early enough. If you're hungry, you wouldn't want to live in Alaska, I'll bet. They probably don't have outdoor farmer's markets very often, although in Alaska they do have grizzly bears. I would very much enjoy meeting one of those guys. From a nice, safe distance. A grizzly bear's front claws can be four inches long. Around here it's easier to be hungry in winter than in summer. Most people wouldn't expect that but during the school year you can get free breakfast and lunch and sometimes after-school snacks. Last year they stopped having summer school because there wasn't enough money, so that means no breakfast or lunch when school's out. They do have free food at the community center, food pantry, but that's pretty far away. My dad doesn't like to go there. He says he doesn't want to take food from people who really need it, but I think maybe he doesn't like to go because everyone in line looks so tired and sad. After the bank, we went to Best Buy, which is this giant store filled with TVs and computers and cell phones and things. There were two long rows of TVs. Some were huge, taller than Robin, and every one of them was set to the same channel. I guess there are a lot of Giants fans working at that store. When Matt Kane pitched a curveball, 20 balls flew across 20 screens. One TV sky was a deeper blue. One TV field was a softer green, but the movements were all the same. It was like being in a house of mirrors at the county fair. Lots of people paused to watch the game with us. The clerks watched, too, when they could get away with it. When one of them asked my dad if he had any questions about the TVs, he said we were just looking. During the fourth inning, something weird happened. Extremely weird. On everybody else's TV, there were two announcers sitting in a booth. They were wearing black headphones, and they were pretty psyched about a triple play. On my TV, there were two announcers sitting in a booth. They had black headphones, and they were excited, too. But on my TV... One of the announcers was a cat, a big cat. Crenshaw, I said under my breath. He was looking right at me. He waved his paw. I looked at my dad's TV. I looked at all the other TVs. None of their announcers were giant cats. Dad, I sort of whisper gulped the word. Did you see that play, he asked. Amazing. I saw. I saw something else, too. Crenshaw was holding up two fingers, making rabbit ears behind the uh, other announcer's head. Weird, I thought. A cat having fingers? I'd forgotten ten Crenshaw. I'd forgotten Crenshaw had them. Weird, I thought, me worrying about that. You didn't happen to see a cat just now, did you? I asked in a casual voice. Cat? My dad repeated. You mean on the field or something? The cat standing on his head, I said. Because that's what Crenshaw was doing. A headstand on the desk. He was good at it, too. My dad grinned. The cat standing on his head, he repeated. He looked at my TV. Right. Just messing with you, I said. My voice was trembling a little. I uh, I changed the channel. That new Friskies commercial was on. Uh, my dad ruffled my hair. He looked at me. Really looked in the way that only parents can do. You feel okay, buddy? 
he asked. I know things have been a little crazy lately. You have no idea, I thought. I smiled an extra big fake smile that I use on my parents sometimes. Totally, I said. The Giants won six to three.